Welcome to Trade Centre Live, brought to you by Sportsmate and Footy Live, where we talk all things trades, bringing you all the breaking news and real opinions from real fans. It's day five, and each day we take, we're take going to speak to big fans about their beloved clubs, followed by a 4pm show to wrap up all your trade day news. So, trade news. So head to Instagram to follow all the trade action. It's afl.footylive, and the hashtag is Trade Centre to get involved. And to kick things off today, we're speaking to Adrian from The Debrief. I love that name. Who doesn't love a good pun? So welcome, Adrian. Thanks, mate. Cheers for having me on. Mate, I can't believe it. You're the first Melbourne supporter I've actually spoken to since the grand final, believe it or not. So I've got to ask you, have the celebrations eased at all or you're still going strong? Uh, It's funny you say that. I think yesterday was one of the few days where I wasn't consumed by it and thinking about it every single minute of every day. Uh, The WhatsApp threads have been going absolutely crazy. Um, So I had a little moment just to kind of break away from it. And then all of a sudden this morning, I got sent a link uh, to a forum where they have all the post-game celebration interviews, uh, just a smorgasbord of D's content that I hadn't come across yet. So I was tucking into that at about 7am. It was one of the first things I did when I, I woke up this morning and uh, yeah, <laughs> the tears were almost coming back. So I feel like I'm back in demons mode again. Yeah, it's it's always an emotional time winning a premiership. Um, and 57 years is a long time to go without one. So, I mean, what did it mean for you? It meant everything. Um, my family are fanatical Melbourne supporters. Uh, my granddad who passed away a couple of years ago was the very reason that we supported the club. Um, he was lucky. He saw, I think, eight flags um, or six flags rather in the flesh. Or maybe it was seven. I can't remember, but he had a... He had a <laughs> He had a good run. Um, Of course, we had the 57-year drought uh, that we just broke. So, yeah, we've been through a lot of pain. Uh, It's been a really difficult journey. Um, I often say it on my podcast, like I honestly don't believe that there are many other supporter groups out there that have had to go through the anguish um, and the struggles that we have. So I can't really sum it up in words. It's, I feel like I'm a changed person, which is good for my wife. She's very happy about it. Um, and in, in all honesty, I don't think it's hit a lot of Melbourne supporters yet. I think it will when we finally get our celebrations at the G. I know the club are looking at trying to organise an event for all the fans, which sounds fantastic. And they're looking at the, uh, the G as, as the place to do it. So that'd be really special to be out there on the ground and and greet the players and see the Premiership Cup. But for me, I think it's when round one hits and it'll feel like the city's back to a, a sense of normalcy, uh, going in there, knowing that we're the reigning premiers, uh, seeing the flag um, mm. unfurled. It'll be, it'll be a moment. Um, and I think that's when it's really going to sink in. Um, I'm still in shock and disbelief, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a premiership is a premiership at the end of the day, but did you mind having to watch it at home or was there a sense of disappointment you couldn't be there? Yeah, I accepted that a long time ago that I wasn't going to be able to make the grand final uh, in a physical sense. Uh, and it was really disappointing. It hit hard. I'm a big fan that goes to a lot of the games and um, loves the odd interstate trip as well. So it definitely hurt at the time, but... I probably accepted that a month out from the grand final. So once we got into the swing of things with the final series and we had the qualifying final against Brisbane and then, of course, the prelim against Geelong, um, yeah, my emotions to that point, I I was just fully focused on, I know, rallying behind the club, doing the podcasts, um, trying to give a lot of our Melbourne 
based fans and listeners an outlet. Um, it can be a pretty lonely time in lockdown, of course, uh, but it's also been a really lonely time being a Melbourne supporter over the journey. So, um, yeah, it was, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, wasn't great. I had a few friends that were there that I was absolutely stoked about. Um, just the fact that they could lap it up and enjoy that experience. But there's a, there's a big part of us now that's talking about the idea of uh, winning the 14th premiership in Melbourne over the next few years. And I think Melbourne have a great opportunity. So if we can do that and we're at the G together, maybe it'll feel like the first time. Uh, poor Ducks. His third goal for the game and Dogs go out to a 19-point lead. I just want to know what was going through your mind. So did you think it was over at that point? Uh, I didn't. I was pretty calm, which was strange because I'm normally a bit of a stress head. Uh, my brother, who's on the pod with me, was certainly stressing out uh, so much so that he went upstairs and jumped into bed with the, uh, his little five-year-old and was cuddling him. And I think he was probably crying at the time. So he thought it was curtains. Um, no, I was okay. I don't know why, but maybe it had something to do with the fact that Melbourne had been in that position a lot of times throughout the season and found a way to work through it. Uh, we'd come back from many losing positions. Um, our third quarter stacked up as the best in the comp. So there was a lot of time on the clock left. Um, when you look back at it and watch it with hindsight, you can understand that Melbourne um, have always had that mental resilience in 2021 to, to work through a difficult situation. Um, mm. But yeah, at the, at the time I was okay. Just because there was a lot of time on the clock um, I thought our defence was actually holding up really well. Um, it sounded stupid at the time, but if you actually go back and watch it, the Bulldogs piled on the inside 50s. There was a lot of pressure on uh, the ball carrier. So Melbourne were having to hack kick a lot out of their defensive half. So, yeah, looking back at it, I think our defence did an amazing job just to stem the bleeding. Like three goals wasn't a bad result. And then, of course, it kept us close enough and then the mids got to work and, and Fritch inspired us as well. So, yeah, I'm incredibly proud of their fight back, but um, I don't begrudge any Melbourne supporter that was uh, bricking it at that point. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was an incredible uh, run-on that you guys went on. I still can't believe it happened, to be honest. It was one of the best um, quarters of footy, or uh, I don't know if, if you can even call it a quarter, like 40 minutes of footy or whatever it was to score 100 points in that period of time is just, Amazing. But um, Melbourne season rating, this is something we ask all our guests that come onto the show. And I can imagine uh, it's probably not even worth asking you. you we already know what Melbourne's season rating is going to be. But I'll ask you anyway, uh, what were your thoughts on such a historical season for the Melbourne Footy Club? Yeah, I might give it a 9.9 just because they took that goal away from Max Gorn in the second quarter. Uh, clearly. Oh. Yeah, clearly a goal. I don't know what the hell was going on. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it's it's a 10. Um, it can't not really be a 10. We broke so many records over the course of the season. Uh, we collected mm. the most ever points in our entire history. We're talking about a club that was winning flags for fun in the 50s and 60s and were just utterly dominant. Um, you know, Max Gorn's goal after the siren uh, against Geelong, the first time we'd even kicked a goal after the siren to win a match of footy in our entire history. <laughs> um, there are just records everywhere. Five All-Australians in the team, uh, which was a phenomenal individual effort from all those uh, five key players. Uh, Simon Goodwin, Coach of the Year. Uh, Clayton Oliver, Coaches Association. 
player of the year. Uh, most votes, I think, ever in the Brownlow from one team. Um, I could be wrong on that point. Uh, definitely the most votes from any team in 2021. There's just records tumbling everywhere. And we've been so used to records going against us. Um, I've seen some of our biggest drubbings ever in, in, in the history of the club. So, yeah, it's it's a 10. Um, and I also think it's a 10 because of the pressure that the Ds came into the season with. Simon Goodwin, his head was on the chopping block. Uh, yeah. Some of our senior players as well, their, their careers uh, were questioned. Um, and they're the ones laughing now and the su- supporters are the ones that are reveling in the triumphs uh, that we've just witnessed. So an absolute 10. Uh, couldn't be happier with the way that the season went. Even uh, even a couple of the losses along the way. It's weird, again, looking back in hindsight, they were probably a couple of moments that actually helped us in a lot of ways. Uh, we were playing a bit of selfish football at times during our little mid-season wobble. Um, and I think sometimes those losses actually become a really profound um, juncture in the course of a football club. And I think they helped us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now highlight of the season. Again, I think we can all guess your highlight of the season, but let's take the premiership out of the discussion for a second. Um, what was your next best highlight for the year? Um, it's hard to go past Gorn's goal after the siren in round 23, down by 44 points. Um, a lot of people thinking that the old Melbourne had crept back in just on the eve of finals, which would have been very typical of what we've seen uh, mm. as a supporter base over the journey. So, I mean, it has to be that moment. Uh, and Gorn was a player that unfortunately had a few moments against Geelong uh, where he missed a shot uh, to miss the game. Um, Gorn against Geelong, even in the earlier part of his career, I know he had a breakout game against him in 2015, but he suffered a fair few beatings at the hands of them. So um, it was pretty bittersweet um, to to see Gorn step up and and do what he did. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it has to be that moment. It's clear for me in the regular season, but then, oh, God, there's a myriad of other great games and matches that I, I could talk to. Um, but I think I'd be doing that moment um, a disservice, if I'm being honest, <laughs> because it was absolutely incredible given the position that we're in in that game. Mm. And that comeback would, would have probably given you hope as well for the grand final, that sort of comeback. That was also, yeah, incredible. Uh, um, low light for the season. Uh, there wasn't too many, but uh, was there any that stood out to you? Uh, yeah, uh, the Collingwood game has to be won. I think the one point loss against Adelaide, if I jump back a few rounds before Queen's birthday, I I mean, that was probably coming at some point in time. Uh, Adelaide played a pure game of footy. They kicked 15-6. They were unbelievable. It was clearly their best performance of the season. They'd done their homework on us. Um, And even saying that, we had a 16-point lead with about seven minutes left on the clock, and we probably... Got a bit selfish, did a few things that were very un-Melbourne-like, particularly behind the ball, which was frustrating to see. But I think Melbourne were allowed maybe a lapse after going 9-0. and um, And those seven minutes, Adelaide played it perfectly, played it to a tee. They got lucky with a terrible decision late in the game uh, when Nick Murray clearly had handballed to the line. It should have been paid a deliberate, which would have meant that at the very least it would have been a draw and we would have retained our unbeaten start to the season. So... The Adelaide loss doesn't really kill me that much or hurt me that much. The Queen's birthday one definitely did. 
um, hate Collingwood, um, respect <laughs> them, hate them. Um, so to so to see them pull our pants down on Queen's birthday was bitterly disappointing because, of course, we had a bye after that. So going into a bye with a loss, yeah. uh, there are a few doubts that started to creep back in. Uh, so that day was was horrible in so many ways and really disappointing because it's the day that we all think about and celebrate, um, you know, the great man that is Neil Danaher and the initiative of fight MND and, uh, yeah, to put up a performance the way we did, uh, knowing that it's Neil's day, who's such a hero of our football club, uh, really frustrating. So definitely the, the most annoying, frustrating moment of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, the trade period, uh, there's no need for Melbourne really to be too involved in this, but, um, there has been some movement and one of the interesting ones of the trade period has been Luke Dunstan knocking back Gold Coast and the opportunity for more mid- midfield responsibilities. And he's gone for the opposite move to stick to uh, stay in Melbourne and go to the D's where it'll be probably even more competitive than it was at St Kilda for a spot. So what did you think of that trade? I like it. It's no risk. It's not even low risk because I can't imagine he's on big money. The other thing about it is he's an extractor. He's someone that would provide great foil for Jack Viney if he happened to go down. And we know that Jack's got a troublesome foot that he has to manage almost every single day uh, just to make sure that he gets up for games. So the likelihood is Jack will probably miss a bit of the season or they might manage him through different periods of the season where he might miss three or four games. So Dunstan seems like a perfect replacement for him. Uh, because of Vandenberg and Jones uh, going out as well, um, I feel like Dunstan's even a little bit of an upgrade on those two players, just given where obviously Jones was at in his career retiring. Uh, Vandenberg not able to break in, uh, a little bit sloppy when he got his opportunities this year as well. So I think he's a slight upgrade on those two players. I think he'll actually get games and surprise people. Um, I've watched him at the Saints before and, I definitely like the way that he went about his footy. Yeah, he's not a good kick, but we've got a guy called Mark Chocker. So he can sort him out with his special footies down there at training. And who knows, if he can tidy up his disposal a little bit, maybe he'll be a surprise packet for Melbourne. So, yeah, no risk. Um, And this is a bloke that will fight tooth and nail to get an opportunity at a club that's – probably going to be complete, uh, competing for flags again in the next few years. So awesome challenge for Dunstan. Um, happy to have him. He's a great insurance policy. But my tip at the moment, um, even before he gets stuck into preseason, is I think he might get games. Uh, whether he retains his spot remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because we had the Purple Rain podcast on yesterday and he was talking about Ed Langdon and he's moved to Melbourne and he was saying, it was crazy. Uh, every time Ed Langdon, you know, went inside 50 when he was playing for Freo, it would go out of bounds or it was just a bit of a lottery he's kicking. Um, and then he goes to Melbourne and, yeah, we all saw what he did this year. It was obviously a great addition to the side. So, yeah, Choco Williams, we'll see what he can do with uh, Dunstan. Um, do you, How many games do you see him playing then? So, obviously, he's got to take his opportunities um, when, he gets, when he gets them. Um, probably won't slot straight into the side, you'd think. Uh, it's hard to break into a premiership team. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Oh, well, clearly a difficult one to answer, but I think anywhere between maybe six to 10 games, he, he might get in the 22 or the 23 now. Um, yeah. And again, it just comes back to the last point I said um, in the previous question. 
it's just going to be a matter of when he gets his opportunity, he needs to mm. play some really good footy so he can retain his spot and keep someone else out. So he's competing against guys like Tom Sparrow and James Jordan uh, for, a, for a starting spot. And those two players have been ultra impressive, uh, but they're young fellas and they might find themselves um, in little lapses. Uh, they might find that their form wavers a little bit and then that might be a chance for a more seasoned pro like Dunstan to step up um, and maybe stake a claim for the for that spot. So I think it's great. Uh, I love uh, competition for spots. Uh, there are a lot of players that we thought were going to leave the club that have actually stayed on. Um, and it'll keep those blokes who are in the senior team hungry um, and keep them accountable. So I think he'll get a crack at it. It's just yeah. he's going to have to play some pretty good footy this day in there. Yeah, exactly. It's a good problem to have. Um, you've also, uh, this trade period, you've won back a first-round draft pick um, after giving yours away to Brisbane, I think it was, last year. Um, do you follow the draft closely, and is there anyone you're keeping an eye on? We'll be back after a quick break. I say this on my podcast, I don't follow it as closely as most people because I'm a firm believer that it's not necessarily what the makeup of the player is before they come into a club. It's how the club and the framework is set up to develop them. So a lot of the time for me, the draft, I'll I'll watch it and I'll engage with it and I'll see the little highlight packages that they put together for each player and they'll talk about the player profiles and they'll compare them to some of the stars of the competition. I find it all a bit of a circus. Um, I find it a little bit funny if I'm I'm being honest uh, because we've seen a lot of players that have come in you know, the range of 40, 50, 60, 70, these types of picks um, who have gone on to become really, really good footballers and have a big impact at different clubs. So, and then you flip it around actually and you talk about some of the misses in the top 10 and the top 20. So, yeah, I'm not massive on the draft if I'm being honest. I I obviously keep tabs on it. I'm interested in um, seeing the players that Melbourne have picked up over the journey I think there's probably a heightened sense of uh, looking at the draft now, knowing that we've had so many good picks um, like Fritch, which was the Watts pick. Um, we've we've seen guys like Spargo come in for a second rounder, Tom Sparrow, who I spoke about before. Uh, obviously, Jake Bowie was the big story to come out of the grand final only in his seventh game. who got into the team. Um, he was an early 20s pick. So I, 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 the only thing I'll say is like I'm a genuine sucker for some of those kids that come through the system in the twenties, thirties and forties and actually go on to become uh, rusted on 22 players. And Harrison Petty is another one that springs to mind. I think he was picked 37 um, and he came in for Tomlinson and hardly put a foot wrong after the buy this season. So 
Yeah, not majorly into it. Um, it's more about once they're in the system, um, starting to see how they develop w- within the club in that first, you know, six to 12 months. And I think the clubs do an amazing job to give you access with training and, co- and assistant coaches talking about these young kids now. Like I think the access is the best it's ever been. That's when I get really interested in the in the reasons why we drafted those kids. And then you actually start to see those reasons kind of bear fruit when they start playing some footy. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I do think um, draft picks can be a bit of a lottery. Um, obviously, we've had a fair few examples of that over the last decade or so. But yeah, like I'm, I'm a Hawthorne supporter and there's obviously been a lot of talk about the whole Tom Mitchell and Jago Mira getting traded for draft picks. And I'm just like, is that really what we want to do? <laughs> like we're trying to like good players for someone we don't know who we're going to bring in. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, You've had your run. So you guys just need to relax <laughs> now. Just pass, over the, just pass over the baton to the days, please. That'd be nice. Well, it looks like it will happen, mate. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, you guys will be in for an exciting few years, I reckon. Um, there, there was one interesting case though, and probably one thing um, Melbourne can be a little disappointed about is the whole Mac Andrews situation, the mm. NGA prospect. Um, given the new rule on the academy players denying um, clubs uh, the ability to pick on them in the first two rounds, it's harsh on Melbourne because last year the dogs were able to get Oogle Hagen with the first pick out of nowhere. So yeah, I mean, is is that something you're disappointed with? Oh, majorly. Uh, It's going to sound contradictory because I said, I'm not really uh, that big into the draft, but I think the difference with Mac is the fact that he's been in the system with Melbourne uh, developing in our Academy for a long time now. So he's been on the radar. He's been a part of the setup to see the ability of him in some of the highlights that I've seen um, talking to a couple of insiders that, that work um, at different AFL media outlets about Mac. He sounds extremely exciting, um, an amazing prospect and to miss out on him is it's going to hurt. Uh, a lot of Melbourne supporters, even though we've, we've won a 13th flag and a first flag in 57 years, um, once the dust kind of settled after the first week, after the grand final, attention turns to the trade period, the draft coming up, everyone started talking about Mac. Uh, some of the threads have been going wild on different forums. I've had messages from people, are we going to get Mac? I don't think we're going to get Mac. We're not going to be close enough. Pick 17 is not going to cut it, unfortunately. I think he'll go anywhere between probably three to eight. Um, I'd be surprised if he even slipped through to nine, ten. Um given all the information that I've been receiving from different people that are in the know and know a hundred times more than I do. So yeah, it's, it's super frustrating. I think the rules, I, I just don't understand. I don't really get it. And we interviewed Gary Pert, the CEO a few months ago on the podcast, and you could tell how annoyed he was at what had transpired. Like why all of a sudden have they just um, completely changed the rules? Um, yeah, it's weird because at the end of the day, we've we've nurtured this kid, we've developed him, we've put so many time, we've put so much time and effort and so many resources. Um, yeah, yeah is that physical and mental aspect to it? But there's also a financial aspect to it uh, when it comes to developing a kid like him. So, yeah, I think it's hogwash. I think it's um, crap that we miss out on someone that we've been nurturing. But you know, these are the rules. So maybe we have to suck it up and try and go nab 
or, or pick up a kid or poach a kid that um, has been developing in the same way that he has for us at a different club. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it is it is frustrating, um, especially the fact that you miss out by a year all because of the Bulldogs. I mean, if the Eagle Hagen thing doesn't happen, um, yeah, you probably get Mac Andrew this year. Uh, yeah, that, that would be super frustrating. I totally understand that. Um, in terms of plays you've re-signed, you've locked in Wiedemann, which is a, a, a good player to retain, obviously. Uh, you must be wrapped about that. Yeah, I am. I really like Sam, and I think everything about Sam is is mental. I don't think it's necessarily his footballing ability. He's got it. He's shown it a lot. At Casey and at VFL level, he tears that league apart and it's just he's that just stereotypical player that unfortunately can't take that next mental step, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to trying to play good footy at senior level. So, yeah, it's it's, it's frustrating for, for Wade, but he's got time on his side. Um, he probably needs to build the frame just a little bit more. He's getting pushed around a bit too much for my liking when he had his small stint in the seniors this year. Uh, so, look, he gets another preseason. He was injured just before the start of 2021, uh, which hampered him and, and wouldn't have helped. Uh, but now he gets the chance in a premiership environment. Uh, the culture's through the roof. Everyone's happy to be there. All the players that have missed out will be hungry to try and experience what the 23 experienced in the, in the grand final. Uh, and I think he's direct competition uh, will probably end up being Tom McDonald. Now I think Ben Brown's elevated himself into the, into the Bailey Fritz category where he's sacred and untouched. And I think he's an absolute uh, lock to start round one. Um, so I think he's, his competitor out there on the, the training field or, or direct competitor will probably be Tom McDonald now. So Tom had a, Tom waned a little bit at the end of the year. He had a back complaint. Uh, so maybe that's an opportunity for Sam to go head to head, uh, with him for that remaining spot. Mm. So between now and the end of the season, I'm not sure if the D's will be too involved, but if there is a trade or free agent move you'd like to see happen, what would it be? Oh, get Mac Andrew somehow. That'd be, <laughs> yeah. that'd, that'd be nice. Uh, look, we don't really need anything. Um, and you, know, you don't have to be a, a Melbourne supporter to say that. Even the neutrals are saying that we're stacked and, there's plenty of other talent coming through the ranks that are pushing the the older guys in the team. So I haven't really given it much thought at all. Um, we're just enjoying what's just happened. Um, you know, Dunstan was a surprise. Um, it's not a major signing, obviously, and it's no disrespect to Dunstan. He probably realises that himself. Um, I can't imagine there's going to be much activity uh, for the Ds. I think it's all... Well, the last few years has all been about trying to lock down some of our stars. Um, and the club yeah. have done an amazing job of doing that, getting players to sign extensions and new deals. And um, even Christian Petrarca taking a little less money than he probably would have been able to court at Collingwood or, or other big powerhouse clubs. So, yeah, a lot of what we've been doing has been about retention with this list and, and continuity and keeping them together. Um, so, yeah, I've, I can't imagine there's going to be any surprises or any shocks when it comes to trades. I just don't think there'll be any activity really. Mm. So for the first time in 57 years, you guys will be defending the crown. Max Gorn reckons the return to home factor and the MCG factor will motivate the group to go again um, and win another flag in front of the fans. But how do you think they'll go? Uh, I think I already know what your answer is going to be, but where do you think they'll finish the D's? 
Oh, tough question now, just because a lot has to play out over preseason. Um, not only for Melbourne, but at different clubs, there'll be a few tr- uh, training mishaps. It happens all the time. Um, it's a competitive sport. Um, all these blokes are competitive beasts. They're big boys, a lot of them. They're tough. So there's going to be injuries. Um, so we'll have to see how the team's shaping up uh, before round one. Who knows? There might be quite a few postseason surgeries that haven't come out yet. They normally come out in, say, November, December. Um, so you have to factor them in and just get a gauge on what the team looks like in round one. But, yeah, real, realistically, like Melbourne should be aiming for um, top two, home final. Um, like, <laughs> I think there's no two ways about it. Like, Melbourne has a blueprint now. They've got a pathway. They've got the monkey off the back as well, which is an absolute blessing for the club. Like, in a lot of ways, winning it away from Melbourne probably helped them. There would have been so much expectation, so much hype, so much pressure. Like, some of the senior boys like Petrarca and Oliver and Viney and Gorn walking down the street during a grand final week in Melbourne. You come on, you got to do it for the D's. You got to do it. I've been waiting all my life for this. So the fact that they were out of this intense bubble that it would have been uh, leading into a grand final at the MCG, I think helped massively. And now that they've done it, they've got less pressure on their shoulders. They've been there before. They have the experience and the capability of doing it again. Um, and they'll be motivated by doing it again in Melbourne in front of their diehards. So yeah, we'd be looking at a top two position and then Simon Goodwin will do what he always does. And I understand why he said this now. And it used to annoy me over the journeys, robotic messages, his monotone press conferences, how he continually said the same thing. And you're like, what is this? Like, what's going on here, Simon? Um, and it used to annoy a lot of supporters, including myself, but he'll just tell them, lock up that top two spot or a top four spot and then it's a whole new season you reset and you go again I think that was evident in Melbourne's finals campaign this year um 63 point um, average margin across the three finals um they definitely treated it as a second season um so yeah that that, those are the expectations the bar's been set now and Melbourne have an amazing group of players that probably need to go and fulfill that potential and at least win another one or probably two more in the next five years. Otherwise, we might look back on it and think it was you know, a little bit of a failure. All right. So before I let you go, uh, we finish off with 10 quick questions for the show. So I'll get straight into it. Which player would you most likely have a beer with at the pub from the Ds? Yeah. Uh, I don't reckon many of them would uh, put up with my nuffiness. So I'm just trying to think who's a little bit of a, a different uh, cat. Probably like a Jaden Hunt, I reckon. Yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah, he's he seems like a really funny guy, and he seems like someone that's not as uh, footy obsessive as some of the other boys at the club. And um, I think there's a few things that he does outside of footy that I enjoy doing too. So I think we find a bit of common ground. Nice one. If you had to get rid of either Oliver or Petrarca, who would it be? <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous question. <laughs> like a great question. Um, oh God. Oh, that is so hard to answer. Uh, I'd probably say Petrarca. I'd keep yeah. Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair call. I like that one. Uh, <laughs> a shot after a siren, 45 degree angle, 40 metres out. Who do you choose to kick it? Oh, God. Um, oh, that's a great question. Yeah. There's three in my mind. 
I'll run you through them. I've got Salem yeah. in my head. I've got Tom McDonald in my head. And the other one's Ben Brown. I reckon I'm going to go Tom McDonald. Fair enough. No Bailey Fritch? Uh, I love Bailey and I've been on Bailey since day one and I've backed him when a few people were uh, giving him a lot of stick. He straightened up a, a hell of a lot this season. I'm really impressed with his accuracy, but he kicked 6-2. So if he'd kicked 8-0, I'd probably be saying him. Fair enough. Um, if you had to pick a team to merge with, who would it be? Oh, God. Your mob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to go back in time a bit. We'll happily take your players on board. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, Casey, can we merge with them? <laughs> uh, no, AFL. Hey, keep it AFL. Oh, I don't know. Well, I wouldn't want to merge with um, any Victorian clubs. No, thanks. Yeah, um, fair enough. I kind of... You, you brought up the Purple Rain boys before. They're in our little podcast network great lads as well I love their oh, band yeah. they were getting on the D's um, maybe Fremantle just because the, they said there are a lot of similarities between our two clubs before we'd broken the drought you know, tragics um, and my, my brother uh, he was over in Fremantle playing footy once upon a time so I love the place I've got a soft spot for Freo I, I always get around them when they're playing the Eagles in the Derby. Um, yeah, I like Freo. And Freo one of the very few teams where I've worn a Freo scarf um, or an opposition scarf when I've watched a, a grand final. Um, yeah, I think it's sacrilege to wear opposition colours, but I wore a Freo. Yeah. I wore a Freo one that day against your mob because I, uh, I despise Hawthorne, only because, <laughs> I, only because I respect them so much and I was jealous. So maybe I'll go with Freo. Thanks for that, mate. I was about to hang up on you, but that's all good. Thanks for saying uh, that. I respect him. <laughs> if the D's had to go, if the D's went back to back next year and you won it at the MCG in front of 100k, uh, how would you celebrate? Oh God! Uh... <laughs> podcast at the pub. Yeah, podcast at the pub. Maybe maybe we try and wrangle uh, Gus and Gorney to come on our show. They do their own very podcast. Uh, no, nah, I can't imagine I'd be doing a podcast for a good four or five days um, if we were to win it in Melbourne. Um, God, I'll have a little one by then, so I don't think my celebrations will be too long. I think it'll probably be a day, day and a half, and then I'll be back home changing nappies. So, yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, okay. I'm okay with that, so that's fine by me. So if you had uh, the choice of watching the grand final up in the nosebleeds or at home with family, what would you choose? Uh, oh, so with... No, so, yeah, so... Up in the nosebleeds without any friends or family, so you're watching it by yourself, I should have mentioned, or watching it at home with everyone? With family. Ah, oh, God. Um, that's tough. So you're on your own. Mm. Ah, I think I'd watch it with my family, personally. Yeah, as much as, as, much as being there and I'm a match day going supporter, um, I'd watch it at home with my family, and that's something I miss this year, like being able to watch it with my my daddy lives in the country and my mum and um, and my brother as well. He lives in the, in the outer suburbs of Melbourne. My brother's up on Gold Coast. So, yeah, if I had the opportunity to watch it with my family, I'd, I would do that because, um, yeah, it was probably the most disappointing thing was not being able to be with them to, to watch the granny this year. So I'll go with that option. Uh, if, you could, if you could look exactly like one player in the Melbourne team, who would it be? <laughs> if I could look exactly like one player... Uh, 
Um, well, you wouldn't want to be Max Gorn because you get stopped in the street every five minutes and that'd be really annoying. Um, Christian Petrarch is a rooster and my wife absolutely loves him. Um, but it's funny, her favourite is Tom Sparrow. Um, she's, uh, she, oh, thinks he's, she thinks he's a looker, so I'm going to go with Sparrow. Yeah, fair enough. Um, if you had to choose one player from Melbourne to play millionaire hot seat with on your behalf and all the money goes to you, who would you suggest? <laughs> uh, great question. I think probably Angus Brayshaw. He comes across as a really intelligent, articulate guy. Um, I love their podcast, the one he does with Gorney. So, yeah, probably him. Um, just because... His knowledge base is vast. Like sometimes he goes off on tangents and talks about all these different things and Gorney's sitting there like a bit of a stun mullet, not really understanding what Gus is saying because no offence to Gorney, he's on a bit of a different level IQ-wise at times. So I think I'd go with Gus. Nice one. Um, if Netflix asked you to choose one player to do a documentary on about their life story, who would you pick? Uh, probably Mad Jack Daw. Um, yeah. Yeah been through a lot and yeah it's just it's a sad story but it's also a story of redemption it's so good to see a bloke like that around our club um i think it was a really impressive move to get him into the footy club to help with culture uh, max gorn speaks about him a lot uh, obviously they train together um as a part of the ruck division and he just seems like a lovely fella and yeah Given what he went through and how he's come out the other end and how Melbourne have been able to support him in his journey and that's the beautiful thing about footy, it gets blokes back on their feet. I think um, a story about Majak would be sensational. Mm, definitely. If you had to swap Simon Goodwin with one current AFL head coach now, who would it be? <laughs> well, I, I ran a post once upon a time. I superimposed Clarko's head on Goody's head. Um, I, think that was, I think that was like a year and a half ago when things weren't going too well for the days. So a few people haven't let up on that one. I've got a, got a bit of hate mail sent into the page from a couple of blokes, even after the grand final, saying Clark O in. So some people will never forget that. No, I'll never forget that. And I have to, I have to wear that one. But uh, Clark O's not there anymore. So I yeah. I don't know. That's such a good question. Probably Chris Fagan, just because um, he's like a father figure, likeable bloke, um, but seems like he could give a good spray if the players weren't doing um, what he'd told them to do. And also there's a Melbourne connection there. He was an assistant with Neil Danaher back in the day. So welcoming him back to the Ds, I think would be awesome. Um, yeah, he's spoken about in a really high regard. Um, and as much as I don't want Brisbane to win a flag, because it'll mean that they're uh, stealing flags off us, um, I've loved their team from the early 2000s. Probably my favourite team as a kid growing up. So, yeah, soft spot for Brizzy. My auntie's a member and been a long member at the club for, for ages. So I'll probably go with Fags. Yeah, hard to disagree there. All right, that's the 10 quick questions. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too, Adrian. Give us another plug. Uh, where can people tune into the debrief and all your Melbourne content? Yeah, so you just go to Spotify, Apple, all your favourite podcasting apps. Just search the debrief. Uh, we've got a lot of grand final review content on there. Uh, we did an exclusive with Paul Ruse as well earlier in the week, which was fascinating. So great to get his insight into all the different things that he implemented when he got there and helped us get us 
back in our feet. Uh, and I'm looking to tee up a, a few other interviews um, in the not so distant with um, some other club greats as well. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find us. All right, hashtag trade center to get involved on social media. Coming up, we've got North Talk podcast at 12.30, followed by Tiger Talk at 2 p.m. And to finish off, we've got our daily trade wrap with James Zabo and Luke Macquarie at 4 p.m. We'll see you then.